What is a disciple? This is the third message in an eight-week series we're doing, looking at eight character qualities that are uh, biblical indicators that someone is an apprentice of Jesus. And today, we look at the truth that a disciple of Jesus is someone who cares a lot about having healthy relationships in their life and is also committed to do whatever they can do from their side of the relationship equation to cultivate health and strength in every relationship in their life. A disciple knows that they are representing Christ well as they endeavor to cultivate health in every relationship with friends, with teammates, uh, co-workers, neighbors, uh, family members, which can often be the most challenging and, and certainly relationships within the church family that they're a part of. And if you've never made the decision to be a Christ follower, I want you to know that there's a place for you in this body that we call Eaglemont Church. Uh, there's, a, there's a place for you to ask your questions uh, and to observe the lives of many authentic Christ followers, not perfect people, but genuine Christ followers and learning from uh, how they live their lives and uh, what it means to be a New Testament Christian, learning from, uh, from an experience in a, in a collective gathering like this is uh, um, very uh, uh, exciting and uh, there's much to be gained. And so I encourage you in that, you're, you're more than welcome. I'm sure you're aware that building healthy relationships can be challenging because we're human. Uh, we're, we're selfish by nature. We are. Uh, th th that's a biblical statement. That's a biblical statement. And most of us, if we're honest, we, we know that from our own lives. As Christ followers, we recognize that God uh, needs to work in our character and make us more like Christ. Um, like we talked about last Sunday in the message about character. Uh, you can uh, listen to that if you missed it on our Eaglemont Christian Church YouTube channel and encourage you to, to do that as you may miss uh, some of the messages from, from time to time. You know, we, we like to blame our relationship problems on others, but the, the reality is that we all need our character shaped on, a, on an ongoing basis. If, if healthy relationships are to be uh, increasingly to be our experience, and add to this, the virtual world that we live in. I mean, it just, it just makes building healthy relationships even more challenging than it already is. The good question, does spending a lot of time on social media affect relationships? Well, a rigorous study uh, published in the American Journal of uh, Epidemiology suggests that it does. Reach, researchers found that the more someone uses social media, the less satisfied they become with their lives. And that, of course, impacts how we relate to others. The, the study monitored the, the mental health and the social lives of over 5,200 adults over a two-year period. And these individuals agreed, obviously, to, uh, to, sh to share information uh, with the researchers about their health, about their social lives, uh, about their social media use for this particular study. The findings in this study, in a nutshell, people's level of compromised social, physical, and psychological health tracked 
closely with their level of social media use. And other studies over the years report similar findings. The bottom line issue here, according to, according to these studies, is that as people replace in-person interactions with online contact, the more their feelings of isolation increase. One researcher put it this way, what people need is real friendship and real interactions. And that is actually biblical. Good food for thought. And so what is a disciple? Again, for the purpose of this message, it's someone who's committed to contributing whatever is necessary for the building of healthy relationships in their lives because healthy relationships honor God and inspire people. You, you got to hear this. Healthy relationships honor God because he created us in his image as relational beings and God, our Father, is well pleased when we yield every relationship we are in to Him and to, to His oversight, to His guidance, to His loving and wise influence. And additionally, healthy relationships inspire others because they, uh, they, they, those, the people around get to observe, they get to see what relationships can actually be when they come under God's leadership that they can be uh, grace-filled and mutually supportive, healthy relationships, which in our, in our day just are, are sadly, these types of relationships sadly lacking. So healthy relationships honor God and inspire others. Now, I recognize that for relationships to be healthy and vibrant, it takes, uh, it takes commitment from, from both sides. But the point here is that as far as my contribution to this or that relationship is concerned, I'm committed to how it is that Jesus wants me to conduct myself in that relationship. I can only take responsibility for, for myself in, in any relationship. And if you profess to be a follower of Jesus, he actually calls you to that. He does, he calls us to that. You, you already know this, that some relationships will be positively reciprocal, and sadly, some will not. Sometimes frustratingly so, uh, discouragingly so. And if that's the case for you in any relationship, you know, where, where extra strength, extra grace, extra wisdom from God is required. Seek him for that. Open your heart to that, uh, to, to what he wants to give you in that relationship and, and listening to him regarding how he wants you to live in that relationship, to live for him in that very difficult relationship. So what does building healthy, and I would add uh, biblical relationships involve. A Google search brings up numerous uh, tips for healthy relationships, and, and many of them are good. Most, most of these are common sense things like uh, be dependable, uh, don't be afraid of disagreements, uh, in arguments use I statements, uh, own your mistakes, own your mistakes, be affirming, just some good things. Well, 
for the next few moments, I want us to look at, I've chosen four biblical characteristics that are, that are required to build healthy relationships. First of all, being committed. It goes without saying. When we talk about discipleship, it's clear that Jesus calls us to undivided allegiance to him. And our ability to be committed to the valuable relationships in our lives will be strengthened by our undivided commitment to Jesus Christ. Of course, that relation as disciples, as followers, apprentices of Jesus, that relationship with him is number one priority. It's, it, and it's the foundation of every other relationship. And of course, not only that, undivided commitment to Jesus is simply his expectation for every one of us who are his followers and his disciples. Jesus spoke very clear words and, and even challenging. We could call them challenging words to us in Matthew chapter 10. But we need to remember as we read these words that Jesus is God. And so he is, he is supreme, a supreme God of the universe. And so he has every right to make whatever demands on uh, on us as his creation, as his followers, that he chooses to make. And so, Matthew 10, let, let's, let's hear the Lord's words from Matthew 10, 34 to 39. Don't imagine that I came, Jesus is saying, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. What? I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Wow. That might be shocking for some of you to hear. To be a disciple, we must be willing to give up everything for Jesus because he's given everything for us. He's given up his life. He's given us eternal life. We must be willing to give everything up for Jesus, even if it means our family members turn away from us. And sometimes that's the result of simply loving Jesus. And we must love Jesus more, he is saying, than our family members. Jesus calls his disciples to faithfulness, even if our family members choose against us in this. And some of you have faced, or some of you are living right now, this painful reality of, of your, your, your choice to, to be loyal to Jesus over and above loyalty to your family. And, and I can't imagine what that must be like for you. Now, of course, how we treat our family members matters to God. We're told to honor our father and mother. I know of a case where a teenager years ago, when they were young, got kicked out of their house in a different country, uh, although not that it couldn't happen in our own, but uh, kicked out of the house because she became a Christian. And she was still able, over the years, to show, as she was able, to, to show honor to her parents. I mean, I, again, I just, I can't wrap my head around that. Paul sternly warned as well about relationship with family in, in situations like this. He's, he, he warned that anyone who does not provide for their family has denied the faith. 
And so we've still got a responsibility there, of course. The Bible speaks of honoring and loving our family. But Jesus just simply said, they love me more. In, in, in some family relationships, that type of care that Paul talked about is, is not able to be given because from their side, they've closed the door on that relationship. And if that's the situation for you, um, I, I pray, genuinely pray God's strength and, and wisdom for you as, you as you live that out. And if you've experienced the pain of, of this kind of division in your family because you've chosen to follow Jesus, you are experiencing this, uh, th this sword of division that Jesus referred to in Matthew 10, 34. Uh, division in your family as a direct result of your simply choosing to follow Jesus. And yet in a situation like this, we still need to remember that we are able to love our family better, our family members better, when we love Jesus most. Shifting gears a little bit here now. In talking about displaying commitment to building healthy relationship, there's a, uh, relationships, there's a, there's a word that describes it well, at least in terms of our side of the relationship equation. And not sure if you'll find this in the dictionary, but many years ago, one of my Bible college professors, Dr. Gordon Franklin, used, uh, used a term. He used to refer to the, um, the, the often missing ingredient in relationships, stick-to-itiveness. Stick-to-itiveness. It, 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 it holds you in the game. It, it helps you be all in through every season of any relationship. Stick-to-itiveness gives you the opportunity to work through your stuff with people in any relationship. And, uh, you know, is, is, is that ever needed? Is that ever needed? A needed, it is a needed character quality these days in relationships, not the least of which are marriage relationships. And certainly in relationships that believers have with their local church family as well. Such a need. And, and I say, is that ever needed these days? But it's, it's always been necessary because humans have always been humans, uh, self-centered, um, pre preferring the easy way out in, when, when relationships get, get tough or the perceived easy way out, maybe we should say. Now, I, I'm not saying that you don't use common sense. Hear this, especially in a marriage. In situations of a, uh, of a toxic or, a, or an abusive relationship, no, you, you, you separate yourself from that relationship. You get help. And if that spouse is genuinely repentant and, and willing to change and willing to get help, then even there, you, you, you take as long as you need for trust to be rebuilt in a, in a journey of, uh, of, of good biblical counseling and accountability and, of, uh, and doing the hard work of, of reconciliation. I encourage you to lean into God's desire for your marriage, which is reconciliation and health, if that is a relationship that is experiencing trouble right now or if you're experiencing trouble in that relationship right now. It, it will require your commitment as you ask God for wisdom, for grace, for strength to, to press in that direction, but, but you can do it. You can do it. 
with the help of God, with the help of other loving and wise believers, you can do it. Reach out, please, reach out for help and, and support from, from someone you trust in, in what is maybe for you a difficult season, a difficult journey. Uh, I encourage you in that. You know this, that cultivating health in any relationship, we just talked about it, it will require commitment to that worthy goal, no, no matter what relationship it is. And, and this stick to that I just referred to can be very hard work sometimes, but it's, it's a quality that, again, a genuine disciple of Jesus will display. And it's this commitment to being committed uh, that, uh, yeah, commitment to being committed. Uh, it's that that will help us live out all the other biblical tips, if you will, for uh, building healthy relationships. So, secondly, what building healthy relationships involves? Being committed, first of all, foundational. And secondly, is being willing to forgive. I want you to memorize Ephesians 4.32 if you haven't. Seriously, this week, easy to do. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. It's what we're called to. It's what we're called to consistently do as Christ followers, to be forgiving. The forgiveness discussion is, of course, multifaceted and sometimes uh, very, very challenging. We all know that, likely. But these are clear words from God that have significant influence on our relationships in our lives, being, being willing to forgive others. It's obviously vital for building health into our relationship. And it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean it's easy because typically it's not. Many times it's a, it's a process. Many times we need to revisit that particular situation and recommit to forgive that individual. It's not like, you know, we get to the place where we genuinely feel before God that we've forgiven that person and, oh, never have to deal with that ever again. No, if you're like me, the memories come back sometimes. Uh, the, the, the feelings of, of, of resentment or anger come back and we need to once again revisit that with God and, and say, no, I've forgiven that person, I, I'm staying in that place. And, and uh, so, th so it's, a, it's a process sometimes. I also need to say that forgiveness is not, it's not pretending that nothing happened. It, it's not uh, sweeping that, uh, that, that unjust act that somebody did to you under the proverbial carpet. No, it, it's certainly not uh, somehow pretending that what happened didn't hurt you. you. You don't have to pretend, it's hurtful. But forgiveness is choosing to not ever take that wrong and use it against that person, shake it in their face. To, to, to commit to not use that wrong against that person at any point in the future. Now, let's be clear. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation, right? Reconciliation takes, takes two. If, if there's no humble apology where one is necessary, then reconciliation in that relationship is, is hindered or, or completely stopped in its tracks. But forgiveness being released from our heart to that person um, is, is still possible and is what God calls us to and will enable us to do 
if we genuinely want to follow him in this, and, and we need to as disciples. It's important as well for, for our own spiritual health. Many of you know Hebrews 12, verse 15, that, that, that talks about the, the bitter roots that can grow up in our hearts to, and it says, defile many. Not just you, but it actually defiles many. It has impact on, on your relationship. So it's important to deal with the bitterness that's there. And the only way, the, the, the primary way, is truly, by God's help and grace, releasing forgiveness from your heart to that person who's hurt you. Many years ago, Kim Fook shared her story when she spoke in our church and, and the Beaumont High School at the time about when she was a young girl during the Vietnam War. And if you're old enough, you recall her picture on the, uh, the front cover of the big uh, uh, Life magazine in the, in the 70s. An American pilot at that time had dropped a bomb, a napalm bomb on her village. She was t terribly, terribly burned all over her body. As a little, I think she was nine years old. Years later, living in Toronto, after surrendering her life to Jesus Christ, she met the pilot who dropped that bomb and she was able to reach out to shake his hand and, and, and was able to express to him that she had forgiven him, but only because she had experienced the amazing grace of Jesus and of God's forgiveness in her life. It's the power of God's forgiveness in us that can help us forgive others. And Jesus, of course, demands that his followers be like him in this, willing to forgive those who wrong them, just as he has done, and just as he does regularly, daily, just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. Thirdly, being a good listener. Uh, is it just me or does it seem that quite often in discussions about marriage relationships, it's husbands who have the, uh, the listening issues? Well, there are probably enough examples to, to warrant that complaint. Uh, on occasion, transparent moment here, uh, when, when Miriam uh, tells me, my wife, uh, tells me something and then for valid reasons, wonders out loud if I actually heard her, I've had occasionally to fess up and, and uh, honestly say with a little bit of a smirk, uh, just because you're talking doesn't mean I'm listening. I need to work on that. Listening can be challenging. Eric Weihenmeyer is blind. And on May 25th, 2001, he reached the peak of Mount Everest. Suffering from a degenerative eye disease, he lost his sight when he was 13, but that, that didn't slow him down. On a mountain where 90% of the climbers never make it to the top, Eric succeeded in large measure because he listened well. He listened to the little bell on the backpack of the climber right in front of him and followed that closely. He listened carefully to the voice of teammates, climbing mates who would shout back to him occasionally, uh, death fall two feet to your right. And so he would steer clear. He listened to the sound of his, of his pickaxe jabbing the ice so he would know by the sound if it was safe to cross or not. When we take a perilous journey, 
listening well can make all the difference. And relationships can be, at times, perilous journeys. I point your attention to the little expression of encouragement that God gives us in Galatians 6.2, where it just says, bear one another's burdens. Other translations say, carry one another's burdens, share one another's burdens. And, and there are many ways we can do this, of course. We pray for one another, speaking words of encouragement to one another, helping one another in practical ways, uh, uh, giving a love gift of, of money to someone uh, we know who is in need, all, all these things. But, but I want to focus on this discipline of being a good listener as a means of carrying one another's burdens, and I, I believe it truly is. I mean, think about times when someone genuinely listened to you as you talked about a very burdensome situation in your life. Just think back to that. Maybe it was recently. I mean, I've experienced this. Just, just their, their caring heart, their stopping to truly listen, communicated care. Their, their listening ear gave you emotional and spiritual lift, I'm sure, as it has me. Uh, um, and I bet, I bet their act of listening caused you to value that relationship even more. Listening well cultivates relational health. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor in Germany in the early 1900s, he wrote a book in 1937 called The Cost of Discipleship. And that book was a call to more faithful and radical obedience to Christ and was also a very stern rebuke of comfortable. Christianity, Christianity without sacrifice, which is, is not even possible or biblical. Then in 1945, Bonhoeffer was imprisoned and executed for standing up to Hitler. But here are some helpful words that he wrote about listening in that book. He said, Christians so often think they must always contribute something, uh, they must always contribute something when they are in the company of others. They forget, though, that listening can be a greater service than speaking. Many people, he says, are just looking for a listening ear. They often do not find it among Christians because they're talking instead of listening. Ouch, <laughs> I felt that. But, but that's a good word of encouragement for all of us. More could be said, but time doesn't allow. Fourth, building healthy relationships involves choosing encouraging speech. Now, we just talked about listening, but there's a time to speak, of course. And when we do, must be encouraging, uplifting speech. I asked you to memorize uh, a moment ago, Ephesians 4.32. Here's another one for the following week, or maybe two in a week. You could do that. Colossians 4.6 in the New King James says, let your speech, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each other. Great verse. An appropriate amount of salt adds positive flavor. Adds, adds enjoyment to the meal experience. In his book, Facing the Giants, pastor and author Max Lucado writes that he discovered the importance of healthy input or counsel um, in, a, in a half Ironman triathlon that he was a part of. And he wrote this, he said, after the 1.2 mile swim and the 56 mile bike ride, I didn't have much energy left for the 13.1 mile run. 
Neither did the guy jogging next to me. I asked him how he was doing and soon regretted posing the question. His response, this stinks. This race is the dumbest decision I've ever made. Uh, and nothing, he said, nothing but complaints and negativity. My response, Lucado said, my response to him, goodbye. I knew, he says, I knew if I listened too long, I'd start agreeing with him. And then he wrote, I caught up with a 66-year-old grandmother. Her tone was just the opposite. You'll finish this race, she encouraged me, one step at a time. Don't forget to hydrate. Hang in there. You can do it. He said I ran next to her until my heart was lifted and my legs were aching. <clears throat> he said I finally had to slow down as she waved and kept going. And then he wrote this question. Which of these two describes the counsel that you seek? It's a good question. Today, I would add the question, which of these two describes you in your relationships? The negativity or the encourager? Choosing, encouraging speech honors God and inspires others. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how to respond to one another. Good, simple stuff. And I wanna pray for you, and I want you to take a moment right now to think about these four things that I've talked about today. Maybe there's one that, that stands out to you as being the one that you know God just really wants you to focus on, maybe in this next month or three-month period or more, and, and grow that area so that the relationships that God has you in, in various arenas of your life, that, that you would be what God wants you to be as his disciple in the context of those relationships so that God would be honored, God would be well-pleased, and that others would be inspired to know and love God more. And so, Father, we do pray that you would help us in these simple, uh, but sometimes not so simple to grow in, simple to think about, simple to talk about, but sometimes difficult to, to, to build into our lives as habits, to be forgiving, to be grace-filled, so that it shows in our speech and to, and to be all that you want us to be, to be fully committed to the individuals in our lives where you have us in relationship, to be fully committed to that coworker that struggles and, and, and is, is kind of draining God, but you put me there, you've put somebody there in that situation as a Christ follower to be salt and light. Help, help us in these things, that as apprentices of Jesus, we would do what you've called us to do, what you want us to do, to cultivate health and strength in every relationship in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never committed your life to Christ, it's the best decision that you could make today or ever. It's an eternal decision. You can't work to receive eternal life. 
surrendering to Christ, repenting of your sin, turning to God and saying, I want you to be the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. I surrender. And, and, and uh, in, in, a, in an instant, the Bible says that we move in, 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 that, in a case like that from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to being separated on a trajectory of eternal separation from God, our creator, our loving father, to being in a personal and eternal relationship with the God who created us. Take him up on his offer of grace through Christ and what Christ did on the cross and rising from the dead by God's power. Open your heart to him and if, you, if you've made that decision today, we would love to hear about it. There's a QR code that you can, uh, that you can scan and a form will come up just to, just to let us know you did that so that we can, we can pray for you and touch base to answer any questions you might have. We'd be more than happy to do that. God bless you and have an awesome day.